College Basketball Insider. Some news and notes from around the world of college basketball. In-studio correspondent for WFAN and CBS Sports Radio. Attention please to John Rothstein. Please report <laughs> to St. The Insider's Insider. Joining us now with his thoughts and to break it down, John Rothstein. It's College Hoops Today with John Rothstein. Let's put the women and children to bed and go looking for dinner. John Rothstein here on the College Hoops Today podcast. Later in this show, we will be joined by Iowa head coach Fran McCaffrey. want to remind you to subscribe to the College Hoops Today podcast on iTunes. We want to be your Bible for the college basketball season and beyond. We are the only college basketball podcast coming to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. Also want to remind you to check out the College Hoops Today fan page on Facebook. Give us a like. Give us a review. Let us know what you think of the product we're bringing to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. And also send me your questions on Twitter. I'll get to them later in this podcast. I'm at John Rothstein. That's John J-O-N. Today's episode of the College Hoops Today podcast is being brought to you by Upstart. Upstart has revolutionized how we borrow money by going beyond the traditional FICO score to offer personal loans, taking into account factors like job experience and education when determining your interest rate. Checking your Upstart rate is free and it has no effect on your credit score. Your Upstart rate checks just two minutes and if you are approved, you can get your funds as soon as the next business day. They make it quick and easy for you. The path to financial freedom can look awfully bleak when you have high interest debt. And if your FICO score isn't great, it can make breaking out of that revolving debt cycle harder than it needs to be. Thankfully, our sponsor, Upstart, is revolutionizing the process of personal lending. Hurry to upstart.com slash hoops to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes two minutes and won't affect your credit. That's upstart.com slash hoops. And now that we've got you set for all your upstart needs, we have to look at the first week of the 18-19 college basketball season and what are the main storylines. We can start, obviously, with Duke and specifically with Zion Williamson. Duke had an unbelievable opening game against Kentucky, a dominant performance, which was the worst loss in John Calipari's Hall of Fame career. But we have right now in Zion Williamson a unicorn, somebody that we have never seen in college basketball in terms of his size, his athleticism, his ability to affect the game. And I watched very, very carefully when Duke played a couple of games in Canada over the summer, and Zion to me seemed like Anthony Mason with more athleticism. And now after watching Zion against obviously Kentucky and Army respectively, he's Anthony Mason on steroids. He is somebody who, again, is an effortless talent, somebody who is unlike anybody we've seen in college basketball. And here's the unique thing about Duke. In addition to having a guy in Zion Williamson who's appointment television, as I mentioned, a unicorn, in addition to having Mike Krzyzewski, somebody who's won five national championships and three Olympic gold medals, Duke also possesses something that we haven't seen before in college basketball, a team with the chance to have the top three picks in next June's NBA draft on its roster. R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, and Cam Reddish. Now, other than Duke, the team that I think has been the most impressive in terms of the way that it's played, and I know that Kansas and Gonzaga and Tennessee have all won their first couple of games, but I am blown away with what I've seen from Auburn. Auburn has made 30 three-point shots in its first two games, one against South Alabama, one against Washington, and you are starting to see right now Auburn again looking like a contender 
to be in a situation to challenge for an SEC regular season title. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The early season is about finding yourself, and it's about getting matchups in some of these early season tournaments that look like matchups that could be some of the best games we've seen all season or will see all season. If Duke beats San Diego State and Auburn beat Xavier in their first games in the Maui Invitational, Duke and Auburn will play a week from Tuesday, Tuesday, November the 20th in Maui in the semifinals of the Maui Invitational. That game right there could have an Elite Eight caliber feel in Maui if, again, Auburn beats Xavier and Duke beats San Diego State. Auburn right now with three players, in my opinion, Jared Harper, Bryce Brown, and Chumo Kiki, who look like they have a chance to shoot 40% or better this season from three-point range. A ridiculous shooting team against 30 made three-point shots in its first two games. One team that has a big week upcoming is Iowa and the head coach of the Hawkeyes, Fran McCaffrey, joins the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein coming up next. Iowa's off to a 2-0 start. They will play Oregon Thursday at Madison Square Garden. And the head coach of the Hawkeyes is Fran McCaffrey. He joins the College of State podcast with John Rothstein right now. And, Coach, you've played 80 minutes. Your assessment after the first two games of your team? I think there's a lot of positives, uh, John. But I also think we've got some things to work on, probably the same as everybody else after two games. Uh, We played two teams that challenged us. They really competed. You know, we played a UMKC team uh, that I thought came in here with a great game plan. They they opened up at Loyola, which was not an easy opener for anybody, and didn't play well. And I thought they came in here uh, on a mission to compete. And that's what they did. They got after us. They drove it. They defended. And we had to fight uh, to get a victory. Uh, so I was proud of our guys for that. And then uh, Green Bay comes in. You know, they got a new team. They got four junior college transfers and six of their top eight guys back. So they got a deep club, physical, pressed us all over the place. You don't see that a lot anymore. Uh, so that was a challenge that we had to endure. And that was, I think, a great thing for our team. Handled it, uh, got the W, and uh, you know, happy to be going to New York 2-0. Now, you told me over the summer that one of the main things you were consistently working on with this group of returning players was your defense. You gave up 82 points yesterday. How would you assess that specific area through your first two games? Well, I thought, you know, I thought we changed defenses really well in the UMKC game, and I thought that was important. Different kind of game. Yesterday's game was a scrambled game. You know, when you play a team that presses on every made basket, every dead ball, every free throw, run and jump. Uh, They're up in the passing lanes. That's why we scored 93. Uh, We shot 45 free throws. We were in the double bonus in both halves early uh, because they were playing a physical style of of tight overplay and 94 feet. So that was the way the game went. So I don't think you look at point totals. You look at, okay, did we get the stops we needed? I thought our zone was really good. I thought our man was good at times. Our press, we got something out of. And I think, again, the changing defenses was good. 
You know, Fran, you've had success at a number of places. You've taken four programs to the NCAA tournament. Last year was obviously a very difficult year. You know, it was felt like you were pushing a boulder up a hill the entire season. Where does last year's season rank among the toughest you've dealt with as a head coach? I think it was the toughest, uh, John, in, in so many ways because, you know, I had a few other difficult seasons. Uh, but most of the time, when you have a difficult season, you can kind of see it coming. Okay, we we were decimated by graduation, and therefore, you know, it's going to be some growing pains. Uh, but last year, we had te- we had plenty of guys coming back. We were coming off a 19-win season. Uh, you know, we had, I think, talented players in a number of different positions. And, and I think we were really optimistic. Uh, now, Okay, we had some things happen that were beyond our control, but I don't know if they're any different than what any other team goes to. You know, we had some injuries. You know, we had a couple freakish things. We had one player have two concussions, and we had another guy have a concussion at the same time. So we had two guys in concussion protocol, and then we had a guy transfer the day before the start of the season, and then we were going to take the red shirt off Connor, and he, you know, gets mono and then ends up having uh, tonsillectomy that doesn't go right. So. You know, there's a lot of things that sort of happen. You know, so my hope is that through that process, you know, we grew. We, we figured out how to compete. We figured out how to overcome. Uh, I thought by the end of the year we were playing better. Uh, you know, we won the Northwestern game at the end of the year. We won the Illinois game. We, you know, lost to Michigan in overtime. I mean, they were in the national championship game right before that. We lost to Michigan State, who was ranked number one at the time by three. So I think that's the frustrating part when you see that, you know, we can play Michigan and Michigan State like that. Why won't we better against everybody else? Uh, but again, that's the challenge of of this profession, and that's what, you know, I, I guess in many ways is the fun of it too. You know, to try to get together as a staff and and fix things and bring your team together and then put some new pieces together that I think will really help our team. You know, we we've got. You know, Joe Wieskamp comes in, Connor McCaffrey comes back. You know, that sophomore class, they're now juniors, Bohannon, Cook, Daly, Moss, Creener, uh, you know, Nicholas Bear is a fifth-year senior. Garza is really good. We're going to redshirt Nudgee and Frederick. But, you know, we've got, we've got 10 solid players, and I think we'll have really good sub-rotations and, and plenty of depth with the experience I think we need. Now, you mentioned Luca Garza. He had a health scare, you know, a couple of months ago, and everybody's happy he's okay. You also dealt with a health scare personally with your son a couple of years ago. Did going through those two situations kind of give you perspective in the sense where as frustrating as last season is, you know, there's a lot more important things in life. I know that coaches are driven people and want to succeed, but how did those two experiences, again, reiterate what the important things are when you look at the big picture? I think that's that's a great point, John, and and you know I, I've been doing this long enough. You know I've been through a number of different situations. Nothing like you know when you have to wake up your son and tell him he has cancer. But I you know I think back to you know you mentioned Luca Garza. Here's a guy that you know I saw him play as a sophomore. Fell in love with his game and a spectacular person. Great family. Has a terrific freshman year, but just 13 and eight in Big Ten play and. You know, who saw this coming? You know, a benign cyst in his abdomen. You know, there, you just, you know, we, first thing was, you know, let's make sure it's benign and not malignant. 
and it was thankfully it was benign and okay we don't know if you know how they're going to have to go in and get can they get it laparoscopically well they did thank god and he's back playing he had 17 yesterday i mean he could have missed the whole year i mean it could have been you know i don't want to say life threatening but certainly career threatening in the short run depending upon the seriousness of what they had to do in terms of opening him up and you know what's connected to what uh you know so you 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 I think what it does, John, is it forces you to keep perspective, you know, and, you know, and, and yes, we get frustrated. Yes, we lost a couple games in a row that we didn't think we should lose. You know, remember that you're, you're coaching somebody else's child and, and you don't want to lose your mind every minute of every day and start finger pointing and blaming everybody. You know, you, you got to stay together, players and coaches, and just keep grinding. And we're going to keep trying to get better. We're going to keep trying to fix what's broken. And and try to get buy-in and and accountability and 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 everybody take ownership because what happens a lot of times when your team is struggling, you know the coaches can say, well, you know they're just not doing what we're telling them, or or the players are like, well you know I'm doing okay, but coaches are not doing what they're doing, or my teammates aren't doing what they're doing. I think the critical thing, John, is that we all take ownership of what was not the season we were looking to have. And then we all take ownership and trying to correct everything. And I think when you do that, you make positive progress. Iowa head coach Fran McCaffrey joined the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. Hawkeyes 2-0 and play Oregon Thursday night at Madison Square Garden. Well, we spent a lot of time talking about the struggles of last season, but you did go to the postseason in the six years prior at Iowa. How does the challenge of sustaining success at Iowa compare to the challenge of sustaining success at places like Siena or the other places you were a head coach? It's different. Uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, the clearly similarities, but it's different in the sense that the teams in our league, uh, the teams at the BCS level, put incredible resources into being great. Uh, you know, when you're at the low major level or the mid-major level, you, you, you're not going to get teams that are going to try to outspend you. You know, but we have a team that's struggling. They're going to build a practice facility. You know, uh, they're going to open up a new arena they're going to renovate their arena they're going to they're going to do a number of different things and you know add staff members you know at the other levels they're not going to do that so if you're good in this league that means you you know you're in the top say you're in the top six or seven teams uh well those teams behind you they're going to do everything they can to be in that top group so everybody's coming after you so the, the 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 difference between who who's fourth in our league and who's twelfth in our league is very small, and, and and that is an incredible challenge every day. How do we how are we one of the top teams? And if we're not, how do we get back to being one of the top teams? Because clearly we know how to do it. We've been there. Well, now all of a sudden, you know, some other te- you know, you look at a team like Nebraska. A couple of years ago, they were trying to figure it out, and then boy, they put it together last year, and 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 that's what our league is. So, again, I go back to that's what makes coaching at this level so intriguing, so special, uh, so difficult, so much fun. However, you want to categorize it, uh, you can never take a day off, and you and your staff and your players have to figure out how do we grind every day to be at our very best. 
Well, and to be at your very best, you're going to need to have great players. And, you know, you have brought a lot of talented players to Iowa during your time there, but you have one who has injected some life in this program right away in Joe Wieskamp, a freshman. Where does his readiness to contribute as a freshman compare to some of the other talented freshmen you brought into Iowa during your tenure? Well, he's, he's at or near the top. Uh, you know, I think back, you know, my first year, we had to play a lot of young guys. I thought, uh, you know, Marble was really special. Basabi was really special. We needed those guys that year to sort of establish that we're, we're making the kind of progress that we need. Then you look at Aaron White. I mean, he was absolutely spectacular. Uh, then you look at that class of Woodbury, Gassell, Clemens. You know, we started three freshmen that year. And we're successful. You know, that's rare. Now we had, you know, McCabe and Basabi and Marble and those guys, Cartwright, White. So that that was good. But when you start three freshmen, that's not usually the the recipe for success at this level, unless you have the right three freshmen. And those guys have the, you know, when you look at those players, they're all different, but they all have the same quality. Uh, and that's the mental toughness and focus and concentration that you need. A lot of times, John, the guys that you might think would be really good freshmen and all of a sudden they're not, it's not because they're not talented enough. It's because they're incapable of picking everything up right away. You know, I'm asking Joe to learn three spots. We run a lot of different things. We're changing defenses. You've got to be in different places. Uh, Out-of-bounds plays, side, under, zone, zone attacks, man-to-man sets, counters, and we like to move our players around. Uh, that's not easy. That takes a certain type of person, you know. And I've, you know, I've said, you know, Joe Wieskamp's like a Navy SEAL. He's he he is so locked in and focused, and and that's kind of the one characteristic that all these guys have had. I mean, you go back to other teams that I've had. I've had unbelievable freshmen: Kenny Hasbrook at Siena, Alexander Franklin, Edwin Ubles, Ronald Moore, Ryan Roster, all those guys that, you know were part of championship teams, they had that ability to be great right away because of their mindset and their mental toughness. Uh, The physical gifts were there, but it's the combination of both that separates them. Well, and obviously, if you're going to have a great perimeter player, you obviously need to have a great front court player. And you had a guy in Tyler Cook who went through the NBA draft process last spring and you know opted to come back to school. How is he different right now after going through that process compared to before? I think it's I think it was great for him, John. I'm really proud of Tyler and how he handled the whole process. You know, he came in again. He was one of those guys that kind of put in that category with, with, with White and Marble. You know, started as a freshman, you know, average 12 and 5, uh, really special. I mean, I can remember games that we won specifically because of him, uh, he and Bohannon that year. Uh, and then sophomore year, 15 and 7, leading scorer, leading rebounder. And, okay, what do I do? Well, you know, now you put your name in and, and you get the feedback and you professionally evaluate it. And then you go through the workout process where you're interviewing with teams. And they're trying to learn about you. You're trying to learn about them. All right, now, John, you've been around. When that guy decides to come back, what is his attitude? Is he coming back reluctantly? Or is he coming back because he analyzed it and he decided it's best for him to come back and now I'm going to have a killer junior year so that, I can then come out in the future. Uh, 
that, in my opinion, is what his attitude is. So I, 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 I appreciate it. I applaud it. He's, he's in great shape. He puts the time in in the off season. He puts the time in uh, on off days. I mean, he just he's he's in the gym all the time by himself. He's in the weight room, and uh, I think he's going to have a spectacular junior season. To really help us. Well, and Fran, you know, the one thing that you can tell about him and just your team in general, and from what I've seen, you know, in the snippets of the first couple of games is, you know, it seems like you guys have better flow. And a big reason for that is because, you know, you have another ball handler in your in your son, Connor. I'm curious, though, for you, it's great, I'm sure, for you to have another guard that you can bring in in reserve. But what is it like right now through everything you've dealt with in coaching to be coaching your son in the Big Ten? It's a different kind of challenge, John. You're right. Uh, you know, I want to make sure that I'm dispersing playing time fairly, but that I'm also recognizing what he does. Uh, he gives me flexibility. I, I can move Bohannon to the two-guard spot, which we did yesterday, and Bohannon caught fire in the second half, took some ball-handling pressure off of him against a team that was pressing for 40 minutes. Uh, he's great at feeding the post. We have a, a multitude of low post scorers on this team. You know, not just Garza and Cook. You know, Creener, Cordell Pemsel could also score in there. Uh, he's got size. Uh, he can make a three. He's smart defensively. He understands what we want to run when we want to run it. He communicates to the team out there. So it gives you sort of a presence that you need coming down the stretch in a close game. But it gives me the flexibility to take the ball handling pressures off of Daly, Moss, Bohannon, and uh, it gives us the necessary depth that you need to survive a long, grueling season. You know, you think about we've already played two games, and we're, we we hope to be playing in March, late. Uh, you need you need bodies, and you need guys that that are ready, and. Uh, his ability to impact the game with his passing is is really important to this team. Now, you have a child, obviously, that you're coaching who is also going through a college experience, and you're his coach, but you're also his dad. How do you balance, obviously, being his coach, but also allowing him to have the college experience? I mean, is he still coming home on Sundays to get his laundry done? How do you balance that? You know, I, I try to give him his space. Uh, you know, he, he he does come home sometimes, and, uh, you know, we want him to come home. He has a very close relationship with his brother, Patrick, with all of his siblings, you know, his, his sister and Mara and his brother, Jack, too. But, you know, he he and, he and Patrick are, are very close. You know, so he'll be coming to Patrick's games in high school, and he'll come home to see those guys. Uh, you know, you, you want him to be able to be a college student and, and enjoy the experience, you know, I think we would all tell our children that, you know, this in many ways could be the best four years of your life. And uh, you want them to kind of experience that and you want to talk them through it and help them through it. You know, it, it's doubly complicated because he also plays baseball. So he's, you know, his time is limited. I'm really proud of him. You know, he's playing two sports and he's on the Dean's list. So you know, he's clearly putting the time in academically. You know, you just, you, know, you 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 watch and say, okay, who are his friends? I mean, he's got great friends, and and, and we enjoy those guys, and 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 you kind of know who he's hanging out with because then you know the decisions he's making because you know the quality of people. Uh, but we we're very proud of, of of 
the character in this program and you know he's he's a big part of it and uh it'll be even more interesting next year when I'm when I got two of them on the team Iowa head coach Fran McCaffrey joined the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. Well, coach, you're going to play two high major games this week at Madison Square Garden. The first one is Oregon on Thursday night. Regardless whether you win or lose these two games, what do you think you're going to know Saturday morning about your team that you don't know right now? I think the reason you want to schedule these games early, and and, and pretty much everybody does now, I mean, you you can choose not to play in an MTE, but – we have 20 league games. We have league games in December now. Uh, you know, we're always going to play the Iowa State game. We play Northern Iowa this year. We always have the ACC Challenge game and sometimes the Big East Challenge game. You know, I, I'm just a firm believer in you got to play people early to kind of see where you are. And not to underestimate it anyway, I just talked about the challenges of the last two games, which were part of the 2K Classic. We played smaller quicker teams that got after us. Now we're going to play bigger teams, more like what we're going to see in, 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 in conference play. Well, You're going to get ready to play Michigan State, Michigan, Indiana, Wisconsin, you, you name it. And you got to play Syracuse, Oregon, UConn, uh, and what better stage than, than Madison Square Garden? You know, when you recruit, John, you, 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 you Tell the kids, hey, this is this is how we're going to schedule. This is where we're going. This is how we do it here, and that's what they want. They want to go to Madison Square Garden and play Oregon on television. Uh, now that's a challenge, but it will also, you know, tell us a great deal. You said, what's it going to tell us? Well, we're going to find out a lot about ourselves. You know, have we improved defensively? Can we score against big teams, uh, veteran teams? Uh, teams that expect to be in the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, can we perform at that level? And uh, we're looking forward to the challenge. Fran, you know, it's interesting. You've always had very deep teams at Iowa. In the game against Green Bay, you played eight players, double-figure minutes. Somebody once told me a long time ago that depth sometimes may be overrated in games, but it's underrated in practice. As you've went through things the past couple of years, do you think maybe it's better just from a role allocation standpoint to have a tighter rotation? There are a lot of benefits to a tighter rotation, John. Uh you know, I think guys get more comfortable knowing that they're going in at a certain period of time, they're going to be out there, and they can play through their mistakes. I think that's the critical thing. If you play too many guys, they feel pressured to perform immediately, and then you, know, you take them out and they think they got taken out for some reason that they did something wrong that they maybe did or didn't do wrong. Uh, you do need depth. You know, we start practice now, in, as you know, in June, and you know, you're going through – uh, a very difficult stretch here right on into the NCAA tournament. So somebody's going to sprain an ankle. Somebody's, you know, uh, going to be under the weather. You hope it's not too much, but you better have some depth. Uh, you know, you, you know, it's great to say, okay, we're going to play seven or eight guys, but the reality is I'm not sure you can get through the season just having seven or eight guys. You better have more than that because somebody's going to be down at some point, and somebody's got to be able to step up and go in there. Now, I will say this, John. I think last year maybe I tried to squeeze too many guys into a limited amount of playing time, and I think, consequently, some guys didn't maybe perform as well as they could have because they maybe didn't get as many minutes or they felt pressure to perform. 
in, in a shorter period of time. So therefore, they're trying to do things that they shouldn't be trying to do in that situation. And, and I, that is something that we always, you know, it's a challenge. You know, when you sit in this chair, that's a challenge because you want to you have depth. You want to disperse your playing time fairly. You want to play some guys because we play fast. So you want to... You need fresh legs. You need guys that aren't tired uh, if you're going to push it on makes and misses and you're going to try to score in the 90s. We, we scored 93 yesterday. Well, I had to use my bench. Coming down the stretch, you know, I played a, I played a shorter bench, and I was able to do that because I was able to play some guys early, and uh, that's probably how we'll keep doing it. Well, Fran, looking forward to covering it as always. Looking forward to Thursday at the Garden. I will see you at MSG Thursday night. Safe travels, and I look forward to staying in touch along the way. Thanks so much, John. Look forward to seeing you. We'd like to thank Iowa head coach Fran McCaffrey for joining the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. want to remind you to subscribe to the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein on iTunes. We want to be your Bible for the college basketball season and beyond. We are the only college basketball podcast coming to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. Also, want to remind you to check out the College Hoops Today fan page on Facebook. Give us a like. Give us a review. Let us know what you think of the product we're bringing to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. And also want to remind you that the College Hoops Today podcast is being brought to you by Geico. Did you know there is a quick way you could save money? Switch to Geico. All it takes is 15 minutes to find out if you could save 15% or more on car insurance. And Geico offers coverage for more than just car insurance. Got a motorcycle? Geico's got you covered. Got an RV? Covered. Got a boat? Covered. How about homeowners or renters insurance? You bet Geico's got you covered. Go to Geico.com today and see how much you could save. That's Geico.com. Time now for our social media portion of the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. Send me your questions on Twitter. I'm at John Rothstein. That's John, J-O-N. And our first question this week is going to come from Kevin Nagan. And it's, John, what is going on with the Atlantic 10 out of the gate? And, Kevin, I got to tell you, the Atlantic 10 to me was a conference, along with the Mountain West, along with Conference USA and the Missouri Valley, that was in danger entering the season of being a conference that was going to have a hard time getting more than two or three teams in the NCAA tournament. And right now, the Atlantic 10 is off to a disastrous start. Think about the bye games this league has lost already out of the gate. GW has lost at home to Stony Brook and also lost at home to Siena. Richmond lost at home to Longwood. St. Bonaventure lost at home to Bucknell. LaSalle lost at home to Lafayette. You have a situation where you see a league right now, and again, all these games count, that had six teams in the NCAA tournament in 2014 looking more and more like a one-to-two-bid league. The top teams in the Atlantic 10, St. Louis, St. Joe's, Davidson, Rhode Island, all have to play right now like they're Notre Dame football and they're an independent and they have to win their big games in November and December. That's the stuff that's really going to count. Our next question comes from Patrick Ray, and it's John. You know you want to rank Houston. You've been high in them all season. You know Kelvin Sampson will get the job done. Just go ahead and do it already. I'm not ready to rank Houston yet, but I did watch them Saturday, and I really, really feel that Houston – has more shot-making than people think. Obviously, Rob Gray graduated, great and talented guard. But right now, what I think a lot of people aren't realizing when it comes to Houston is they have guys back, Corey Davis and Armani Brooks, who can flat-out shoot the basketball. Those two players, Brooks and Davis last year, combined to make 
186 three-point shots. Houston can go over the top of the defense and be in a situation where it doesn't have to post up to score. One more question right now, and it is going to be from Jake Fowler, and it's John. Where do you see Temple ending up in the postseason? That's a great question. This is obviously the last season for Fran Dunphy as head coach at Temple. I see Temple as a team that will have great moments like it has had the last couple years in November, December. Remember, Temple two years ago beat West Virginia and Florida State. It also beat Auburn and Clemson last year. All these games were on neutral floors, but then it lost games that set it back when it came to putting together an NCAA resume. So I'm going to need to see how Temple does from a consistency perspective. There'll be a postseason team. What postseason team is to be determined? And now that we've got you all set up for all your social media needs, let's get to some nuggets. Five good nuggets. Five. Five. Six. No, five. But you were close. Nugget number one, the unsung presence, and we're talking about Duke freshman point guard Trey Jones. We spent a lot of time talking about Zion Williamson and even R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish a little bit through two games. Trey Jones, 14 assists to two turnovers. Nugget number two, Gillespie gliding. Villanova sophomore guard Colin Gillespie through two games, 11.5 points, 45.5% from three, 50% from the field, seven assists to just one turnover in 44 minutes. Nugget number three, a forgotten conference. How about the start for Conference USA? Southern Miss beat SMU. Florida Atlantic beat American favorite UCF. Charlotte beat Oklahoma State. And Louisiana Tech won at Wichita State. This doesn't count. League favorite Western Kentucky, who was very competitive at Washington without Deshaun Murray. Nugget number four, Jones's transformation. Xavier's Tyreek Jones is in unbelievable shape. He looks like he lost a preschooler. He's that svelte, averaging 18 points and 13 rebounds through the Musketeers' first two games. Nugget number five, no rhythm, no chemistry. Probably the most disappointing team so far in college basketball has been Kentucky. They were routed by Duke, but also you have to look right now at the Wildcats being a team with no rhythm, no chemistry, 28 assists to 34 turnovers in their first two games. A lot of people talked about Kentucky's depth as being a strength, but remember this, depth is overrated in games and it's underrated in practice. Role allocation is one of the biggest keys to success in college basketball, and Duke is a perfect example. They know the bulk of their scoring is coming through Williamson, Barrett, and Reddish. Jones is running the team, and then the other spot on the floor is used for intangibles. Now that we've got you set with your nuggets, let's get to some games to watch. Games to watch. Games to watch. Tuesday, a couple of big ones. Memphis at LSU, Wisconsin and Xavier as part of the Gavit Games. Also in the Gavit Games, two good ones coming up on Wednesday. Michigan at Villanova, Marquette at Indiana, and then Thursday night at Madison Square Garden as part of the 2K Sports Classic. Syracuse and UConn, a rivalry that will never get old. like to thank Iowa head coach Fran McCaffrey for joining the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. This was the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein.